0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: We've got plenty to talk about with all of the baseball. Uh, we'll mix in some basketball conversation. A big announcement made by the NBA yesterday that I initially spoke to during my show here on Friday night, this new in-season tournament or mid-season tournament, whatever you will uh, label it as. The NBA Cup is essentially what they are playing for. Uh, had some initial thoughts about that. Uh, but with the full details being released yesterday, uh, I'll share some more thoughts and, and, and we'll discuss whether or not it's good for the sport, bad for the sport, or eh. And that is likely going to be most people's answer. Eh. But we'll start with the baseball. Uh, important bounce back win for the Yankees yesterday. I was uh, hosting for Dan Gross of Friday night while the Yankees were being two hit by the Cubs. Jameson Tyone, the former Yankee pitcher, shut him out and allowed one hit, one first inning hit at that through his eight innings of work. And then the Yankees got a second base hit in the bottom of the ninth inning that was promptly erased on a double play, and they went meekly into the night losing three to nothing. But a very important bounce back yesterday. You know, Garrett Cole continues, and we've had a lot of conversations on this particular show. I know a lot of Sunday mornings I have been sitting in for Anita and just forced to defend Garrett Cole. Uh, Garrett Cole, and, and I've made this comparison before, although he's better than the guy I'm going to compare him to, but Garrett Cole is a lot like Julius Randle, where uh, because he came in for big money as a free agent and isn't the homegrown player, I just think the expectations sometimes tend to be unrealistic. I mean, Garrett Cole is a guy who is clearly in the running to start the All-Star game for the American League. Every single year, uh, outside of his first year in New York when he struggled, but that was also the COVID year. So that was an odd year for a lot of people. But every single year since then, he's been a Cy Young candidate. He takes the ball every five days. He gives you a chance for the most part in 80 to 85% of his starts. And he's doing that again. And his numbers this year, when the Yankees lose and Cole takes the mound the next day, are ace-like. And the Yankees haven't had that since the first three years of C.C. Sabathia when he came over to start the 2009 season. 2009, 2010, 2011, C.C. Sabathia was one of the best pitchers in baseball in addition to all of the off-field things that he brought to the clubhouse in terms of being a leader there. The Yankees haven't had that since Sabathia. And they have it with Cole. And I I don't think that Yankee fans appreciate what they have with Cole. They appreciated Sabathia because – he was larger than life. He was gregarious. He had a great personality. Cole doesn't have a great personality. You know, there's a great article in The Athletic this week about how Cole is a really a genius, genius level at talking about pitching. But, you know, let's be honest. We need geniuses in this world, but how many people are looking to sidle up next to them at a cocktail party looking for a good time? You know, those types, even even when – who was it against um, when he made that that silly – indication, was it against the Mariners a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, it was against the Mariners when one of the Mariners hitters was trying to manipulate the pitch clock and stepping out of the box and it angered Cole and Cole walked off the mound and wagged his finger at the Mariners. You know, um, it didn't look, if you remember what I'm talking about, it, it didn't look cool. You know, cool isn't the word that I would use to describe Cole in that situation. But You know, the Yankees aren't paying him to be cool. The Yankees are paying him to do exactly what he's doing on the mound, and he's doing it. And, you know, to continue the comparison to CC Sabathia, Sabathia was cool, right? He was was the coolest guy in that clubhouse. He was sitting courtside at the Garden Uh, in spring training. He was sitting courtside at the Orlando Magic games. He was bringing all the guys on the team together. That's not Garrett Cole. So because, you know, Cole doesn't have – That part of his personality that Sabathia does, I think his actual performance, which at the end of the day is the only important thing, I think it gets shortchanged a lot. And especially, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm scolding Yankee fans here, but I guess a little bit, especially considering this team, right? How many guys on this roster, yesterday notwithstanding, yesterday was a huge day for Giancarlo Stanton. But how many guys on this Yankees roster can you point to and say every day or every time that guy is on the field, we know that we can count on him? Seriously, how many guys on this roster? You know what the answer is? The answer is one. This year, the 2023 Yankees with the second highest payroll in baseball, a season removed from going to the ALCS with all the expectations that come with being the Yankees each and every year. There is exactly one guy on this roster who you can count on to be there every day. You can't even say it's Aaron Judge because, yeah, when Aaron Judge plays, you can certainly count on him every day. He's the best player in baseball when he plays. But he hasn't played in more than a month, and he has spent two stints on the injured list now this season. This current one, very lengthy, and we don't know when it will end. But you go through the pitching rotation – You know, Carlos Rodon just came back, and I thought it was a very encouraging start on Friday night. Domingo Herman is a perfect game. He's pitching today, but he's up and down. Clark Schmidt, first month, month and a half, he was on the verge of losing his spot in the rotation. He's figured things out, and he's been solid, but he's up and down. Luis Severino, we don't even know if he's going to continue to hold on to his spot in the Yankees' rotation. Nestor Cortez is injured. He was really good last year. Also a great personality that people can get behind. And this goes to my point, too. In terms of popularity with fans, God, personality is so important, isn't it? Yankee fans love Nestor. They love Nestor Cortez. Why? Because he's an underdog. He's like 5'11". He bounced around early in his career. This is his second stint with the Yankees. He was here. He pitched a little. They let him go because he was expendable. And he came back last year, and he's got this flair. He does the leg kicks on the mound. Most importantly, he pitched extremely well last year. He's got a mustache. That doesn't hurt. People love mustaches. People love Nestor Cortez because he's the underdog. Garrett Cole is never a guy who would be confused with the underdog. I mean, the Yankees drafted him out of high school in the first round. And he turned them down and went to UCLA. And then three years later, he was the number one pick in the draft by the Pirates, became an all-star, became the ace of their staff, He led the Pirates to the playoffs, and baseball fans know how difficult that is. And then he took the money, and he went to Houston, and he was a Cy Young candidate for a few years, and he pitched in big playoff games, and he formed a nasty 1-2 combination at the top of their rotation with Justin Verlander. They never actually won the World Series when Garrett Cole was there, and that hangs over Cole a little bit because the one knock that you can have on Cole, and he was good in last year's postseason. His one bad start in the ALCS, he was victimized by a awful defensive miscommunication between Harrison Bader and Aaron Judge on a ball that should have ended the inning, and instead they both looked at each other and it fell between them. It extended the inning. Houston hit a home run, and that was all she wrote. And that was the Yankees' chance to get back into that series, because at that point, it was a close game, and the Yankees were trailing the series two games to nothing, having lost two very close games in Houston. You know, I know people look back at the ALCS last year and see that the Yankees got swept, And they would have lost that series nine times out of ten. But it is worth wondering what would have happened. Every one of those games was close, except for that game that I just mentioned, that Cole pitched, because things unraveled after that miscue between Bader and Judge. But Cole hasn't had that moment in the postseason. I mean, think about his tenure with Houston. 2017, he's not there yet. They win the World Series because they acquired Verlander at the trade deadline and he led them to the promised land. Yankees fans know it all too well because they lost in seven games to that Astros team. And then they acquired Cole. They remained a top team, but they lost the World Series in 2019 to the Nationals. And then Cole came to the Yankees, and Houston continued to be a top team even without him, and they won the World Series again last year for the second time during this recent era of success. So that that hangs on Cole a little because he hasn't had that moment. But if you look throughout history, most people... Most people don't get to enjoy that success. Only the top of the top of the top do. Only, you know, the Justin Verlanders do. And the Max Scherzers do. And I bring those two guys up intentionally because they're teammates in this town now. And they're both on the other side of enjoying that high level of success. But they are. They will go down as all-time greats in this game. Is Cole on that level? No. He's not. But right now, in 2023... As far as taking the ball every five days, giving your team a chance to win, leading the rotation, being the ace of the staff. Garrett Cole in Major League Baseball right now is as good and consistent as it gets. Does that mean if I had my pick of any pitcher in baseball to start a Game 7 of a playoff series or a World Series, I would pick Garrett Cole? I'd have to think about who I would choose, but my first instinct is that I would not pick Garrett Cole. That's my honest first instinct. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't lived up to his contract because for the most part, he has lived up to his contract. And then when you compare him to the other guys on this roster, to his teammates, to let's start with the guy who hit two home runs yesterday. And that's why I said yesterday notwithstanding. But when you compare Garrett Cole to Giancarlo Stanton, When you compare Garrett Cole to Anthony Rizzo, when you compare Cole to Aaron Hicks, who the Yankees are still paying, when you compare him to Aaron Judge, let's just base what Aaron Judge has done since he signed his contract. Has he lived up to that contract? He has not. Injury-related, but he has not. So Garrett Cole has done the job, and he did it again yesterday. And it was a big bounce back for the Yankees. But they have to. And that's why today's an important game. You know, momentum, not a lot of people put a ton of stock into it in baseball. I'll say it this way. Yeah, you want to take some momentum into the All-Star break. You know what you want to take into the All-Star break? You want to take a two-game winning streak into the All-Star break. Because a two-game winning streak is better than a one-game losing streak. And at 49-41, and 41, and tied for the third wild card spot in the American League, with three teams that have talent breathing down your neck, and a playoff spot this year, anything but assured for this Yankee team. And by the way, finishing out of the playoffs would be a disaster for this Yankees team. You know, they've received a lot of cloud cover from the Mets because the Mets have been way back so far this year. And the Yankees, for the most part, have held one of those three positions in the American League wild card race. But their spot is very tenuous. They're tied with the Blue Jays for the third and final spot right now. And they're trailing the Astros. Does anybody think they're going to catch them? I don't. And they're trailing the Orioles, who seem to get better by the week. So nobody's really talked about the ramifications if the Yankees miss the playoffs because everybody in this town has been focused on if the Mets miss the playoffs, which right now, even though they've played well in July, seems like the more likely scenario, the Mets missing the playoffs. If that happens, obviously it would be uh, a disaster of monumental proportions because of the amount of money they've spent on their team. $370 $370 million and miss the playoffs, yeah, that would be an absolute disaster. But the team with the second highest payroll in baseball missing the playoffs, especially one that is the New York Yankees, would, in my opinion, be equally a disaster. And the Yankees are in danger of that right now. And that's why you need to win games like today. You know, I laid it out on Friday night that the Yankees' next four series, starting with this one against the Cubs in which they're one and one And then, of course, we go into the All-Star break after today. But their first three series of the second half, they start out west, but they start in Colorado. The Rockies are not good. And then they go to Los Angeles to take on the Angels, who are all sorts of beat up. Is Otani able to pitch? We don't know. Mike Trout is hurt. Will he still be hurt? We don't know. Anthony Rendon just got hurt. So, yeah, the Angels are a team with talent. But if a lot of their talent is injured when the Yankees play them, that's a series they have to win. And then they come home for three games with the Kansas City Royals. And I said on Friday night, they got to go eight and four, a minimum of eight and four these four series, starting with the Cubs. Cubs, Rockies, Angels, and Royals. Well, they're one and one so far. So you got to go seven and three over your next 10 games. Seven and three is a lot easier if you win today's game. But it's not going to be easy because Domingo Herman is pitching. And despite the perfect game two starts ago, he's still up and down. And Kyle Hendricks is on the mound for the Cubs, a solid pitcher. But these are the games. This is how you withstand the injury to your best player. And we know what the biggest story with the Yankees is. I don't need to beat you over the head with it. Anybody following the Yankees knows the biggest story surrounding the Yankees right now is Aaron Judge is not here. And nobody seems to know when he's coming back or even if he's coming back. And that, as long as that's the case, how do you get past that? Well, there's two ways. Number one, you win the games you're supposed to win. You beat Colorado, you beat the Cubs, you beat the Angels if they're all beat up. You beat the Kansas City Royals. That's number one. Number two, the other guys on your roster. You don't get a $300-plus million payroll, the second highest in baseball, by paying just one guy. You know, there's other guys making a lot of money in this lineup that are not producing at that level, which brings me back to Garrett Cole, who is. But you've got to start at the top of the pay scale with John Carlos Stanton and Anthony Rizzo. Obviously, you need Judge to come back. You need DJ LeMahieu to give you something. I think Josh Donaldson is a lost cause. But ultimately, the Yankees need to, over this break, No matter, and I'm not going to put everything on one game this afternoon, it's important to win because you need wins at this point in the season. You're in a crowded race for the wild card. Every game is important. That's an understatement. But what the Yankees need to do over these next few days in the All-Star break is they really do need to do some soul-searching. And I'm talking about Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner and the people who make the decisions for the Yankees. Because... This is something that's been happening since 2017. 2017 was a long time ago, folks. Folks, It was six years ago. And the Yankees in 2017 came within one game of reaching the World Series. And at that point, and this was a rare thing you could say about the Yankees throughout their history, but at that point, the Yankees were ahead of schedule. And then they lost to a superior Astros team because they couldn't, hit Lance McCullers' curveball, and Justin Verlander shut them down two games in Houston. They couldn't win in Houston. But that was the start of something. The Yankees were building something. And then it was in that offseason that they veered from the plan that they were on, and they've been trying to find their way back ever since. And they've had some success during that time. They've gone to the playoffs every single year. And in 2019, they were right back in the ALCS and they lost to the Astros. Last year, they were right back in the ALCS, and they lost to the Astros. But yes, they've had that sort of success, but that's not the sort of success that is necessitated when you're running the New York Yankees. And it can really all be traced back to that offseason after 2017, when I think the Yankees jumped the shark a little bit, if people are familiar with that term. They kind of lost their way, and they haven't found their way back. And I don't know if it's going to happen over the all-star break. I only say the all-star break because it's here and it's four days to really evaluate what you are as a team and where this organization is going, but where they're going right now with or without Aaron judge, it's not good enough to win a championship. And if you're investing the kind of money, you know, Yankees fans are so frustrated that they're not investing money in their team. They are investing money in their team. They're just not investing it wisely. And when you don't make a wise investment, then you end up having to spend more money elsewhere to try to make up for that unwise first investment. And then it's a snowball effect. It's bad business. Literally, it's bad business. If this were the real world and we were talking about a business and a business was operating, the Yankees are operating, it's bad business. Now, why are the Yankees still able to make the playoffs every year? Because they're the Yankees. And if you go to the game, and I'm taking my family to the game today, actually, and I'm going to be out, you know, 500 bucks, and I got free tickets between parking and, you know, food for my kids and concessions and everything. You know, that's how the Yankees are able to, because it's a $500 minimum to go watch this team play if you bring a family of four. So because of that financial built-in advantage, the Yankees are always going to have the money to try to um, cover up some of their mistakes and bad decisions that they have made. But it's not enough to win a championship. It's enough to get into the playoffs every year they've done that it's not enough to win a championship or even contend for a championship I could tell you eight teams off the top of my head right now that I would pick right now to win the World Series this year before I would get to the Yankees but there is still time because they're not buried but there are some moves and some changes that have to be made philosophically throughout this organization We'll get into the night for the Mets. Their winning streak finally came to an end last night. A well-played game. Francisco Alvarez continues to be red hot. Uh, important game for the Mets this afternoon as well. They had all the momentum in the world. They lost to a solid team yesterday that also needed the win an excellent pitching matchup today. Max Scherzer against old friend Joe Musgrove, who probably has a little added motivation pitching against the Mets today. So we'll see if they can grab the rubber match of this three-game series and take some momentum. Into the All-Star break. And your call's at 1-800-919-3776. It's Pat O'Keefe on the Sunday morning on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: And I say this all the time in regards to batting average. There's two stats that, you know, people that have been baseball fans a long time, like me, their eyes tend to gravitate towards, still just out of force of habit. One is batting average and one is wins for starting pitchers because for years those were the first stats on anybody's stat line. Beginning of the game, first at bat, the graphic that comes onto the screen, it was batting average, home runs, and RBIs. And for pitchers, it was wins, losses, and strikeouts. So just out of 35 years of habit, of watching baseball games and reading box scores, my eyes still tend to gravitate towards those. And I recognize that wins especially and batting average do not hold the importance they did in baseball in this analytics era. You know, for pitchers, it's more about a run average, and it's more about whip. And for hitters, it's more about on-base percentage, slugging percentage, and ultimately OPS. But what I will say is this. When a pitcher is good in every category— a 2.85 ERA. Garrett Cole's strikeout rate on the season. And he has a 9 and 2 record on top of that. That just is kind of an extra cherry on top of just how good of a season he's having. All right, he's not 9 and 2 with a 4.84 earned run average and has been the beneficiary of tremendous run support. Nobody by the way on this Yankee staff has been the beneficiary of tremendous run support. But 9 and 2, 2.85 ERA In the first half of the season for Garrett Cole, Uh, overall he's made 19 starts. He's got 123 strikeouts in 117 innings. That is a really, really, really good first half of baseball as the ace of this staff. And the other is batting average. I understand batting average isn't that important. Obviously, if you look at the Major League leaders, I looked on Friday night, there were 10, I think 11 players in all of Major League Baseball with a 300 batting average or above among those who qualify for the batting title, 11 in all of baseball. But where batting average is important is in the case of a guy like Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson, after going one for three yesterday and hitting another home run, he's got 10 home runs amazingly, after going one for three, his batting average is up to 146. I don't need to look at OPS or on-base percentage or anything else. All I need to do is look at 146. And here we are at the All-Star break. And I know he missed over a month with a hamstring injury. But he's been back for over a month also. I just need to look at 146 to know that he's not getting the job done. That's a bad season. And there are no numbers or analytics out there that can tell me otherwise from a 146 batting average. All right, so you got the Yankees and the Cubs. A solid win yesterday. The home run by Donaldson. Two home runs by Giancarlo Stanton. One of them just an absolutely mammoth blast into the second deck in left field, 447 feet. The other one, as short a home run as you can get at Yankee Stadium, uh, they credit him with 322 feet. But I echo Michael Kay. I was watching the broadcast yesterday, and it hit off the foul pole in right field. Right below the foul pole in right field, it says 314 feet. So I don't know how he gets credited with 322 feet. Either way, Stanton yesterday with 769 combined feet of home runs to help the Yankees to a 6-3 win Cole got a little tired in the 8th inning and he gave up a home run to Mike Talkman the former Yankee it was uh, 6-1, the home run made it 6-3 to and that was the final score alright, 1-800-919-3776 let us get to the phone lines as some of you have some thoughts on what's going on let's start off with Justin and Tom's River Justin, good morning
0: Hey, good morning, Pat. Thank you for taking my phone call. You know, you made a lot of great points, and I agree with you. Going to the All-Star break, this is a big game for the Yankees. You know, when it comes to the Yankees this year, I agree with you, man. Garrett Cole is pitching amazing this year. And a lot of people don't even have him as a top-ten pitcher in Major League Baseball, and I just don't see that, especially pitching at Yankee Stadium, the way he's been pitching all year. Fantastic. And also, that was, also was very promising the way that Rodon pitched the other night, even though they didn't get the win. His first game back, early on, man, he was electric early on. I haven't really seen him pitch that much. That was really my first time seeing him from beginning to end pitch. The guy's the guy a power pitcher. That, that That's a great one-two punch for the Yankees. But, you know, my biggest disappointment this year with the Yankees, you know, they just don't have an identity without judging that lineup. You know, it was also very promising the other day that they were manufacturing runs against, you know, some of the games earlier in the week against the Orioles. And I believe it was against the Cardinals that they had, like, a suicide squeeze. The Yankees got to get creative. They got to find other ways to manufacture runs besides the home run. And I know that's what their DNA is. That's what the kind of hitters they are. But if they're going to go anywhere this year, they got to move run- runners over. They got to, you know, do a suicide squeeze where it needed to score a run. And, you know, honestly, this year I think Cashman is, is – is, for the first time, I really think he is on a hot seat. I know they're going to use the excuse that Judge wasn't there all year if they don't make the playoffs, but I think he's really going to pass back to the wall if the Yankees do not make the playoffs this year, considering their payroll and the additions they made with Rodon. So for me, in the second half, I would definitely expect Cashman to make a move at third base or in left field, because the Yankees cannot keep running out, you know, IKF in left field or Bowers it's starting to get to a point where it's costing them games and it will cost them games down the stretch.
1: Yeah. It's not sustainable, Justin and good call. And thanks for the call. It's not sustainable when those guys are in your lineup each and every day, whether it's IKF or well, Bowers is injured right now. You know, Billy McKinney was hot for a couple of weeks, but Billy McKinney has been a journeyman his entire career. He was with the Yankees once before he's been with the blue Jays. I think they got him originally in the, a Chapman deal that, Centered around Glaber Torres, I think McKinney was one of the prospects that came over to the Yankees in that trade. Also, he surfaced on the Mets either last year or the year before. He's been a journeyman his entire career, and there's a reason for that. And very, very rarely um, does somebody with that sort of profile, who's been a journeyman whose entire career, all of a sudden turn into an everyday player at this point. They caught lightning in a bottle with him a couple weeks ago, and, and that happens. The Yankees did it earlier this season with Franchi Cordero. There was about a week-long stretch where Cordero hit home runs in three out of four games or four out of six games, and the Yankees rode him, and then he cooled off, and he regressed to his mean, and the Yankees sent him back down. But that's not sustainable. That's not a sustainable business model. You know, the problem with the Yankees is they, they don't have a lot of flexibility. They're in the rare situation of they have spent a lot of money, they just haven't spent it wisely. So because they haven't spent it wisely, they have so many holes. And then on top of that, I think we would all agree that after the season he had last year, the money that was spent on Aaron Judge was spent wisely. He had an historic season, and he's more than just a power hitter. He's the best, in my opinion, putting Shohei Otani aside, um, Aaron Judge is the best overall offensive player in Major League Baseball, when you factor in everything but pitching. So that includes hitting, hitting for power, fielding, running the bases, being a leader. Aaron Judge, at all of those things, is the best in baseball when he's healthy. Shohei Ohtani's pitching pushes him over the top. He's the most valuable. He's just a freak. He's in his own category, okay? But when I say Aaron Judge is the best baseball player in the Major Leagues, I'm referring to everything except for pitching. So, I think the money they spent on Judge was wise. They couldn't let him go. But, you know, you've got $32 million tied up in John Carlos Stanton. You've got $25 million tied up in Josh Donaldson. You've got $16 million in DJ LeMahieu, who's batting 220. I mean, in this feeble Yankees lineup, this feeble Yankees lineup, LeMahieu batted seventh yesterday. Think about that. He batted seventh. He's batting behind Volpe. He's batting behind Donaldson. He's batting behind Harrison Bader, who's been good for the Yankees, but Bader has never been a guy who you think offense first with. He's a smart player. He's athletic. He's a superior defensive player. He's a really good base runner, and he does enough offensively. DJ LeMay, who's three years removed from being an American League finalist for the MVP award, and he's batting seventh in this awful lineup. And you've got $16 million invested in him. You're paying million to Aaron Hicks. So it's money that has been spent, yes, but not wisely. And Brian Cashman, and part of this is his fault, he has not spent the money wisely, but his hands are also tied. You know, across town, Billy Epler has a lot of dead money tied up. Some of that's not his fault. They signed Edwin Diaz to the huge contract, and then he hurt his knee and was lost for the season in the celebration of the World Baseball Classic. That's money they spent, but they're not seeing any return for that. But the difference is, and I think we're going to start to see it over the next few weeks leading up to the trade deadline, the difference is Brian Cashman has a limit on what he can spend. And Billy Epler, because Steve Cohen is his owner, does not have a limit on what he can spend. So what changes can the Yankees make, or what changes do they need to make? We'll take a look at that as we continue on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Look, all things considered, there's still a season to be had for the Yankees. But I just, I don't think what they have going on right now is sustainable. And the longer, the longer they go with Aaron Judge's situation uncertain, the more concerning it is. And the Yankees are doing a lot of this with smoke and mirrors. They're eight games above 500, but their run differential is plus 23. Their bullpen has been outstanding, but is that sustainable? You know, we've seen Clay Holmes have some awesome, awesome moments as a Yankee. He was an all-star, and then last year after the all-star break, he kind of fell off the grid for a couple of months. He recouped himself late in the season, but he was never – you don't have 100% confidence in Clay Holmes on the mound at the end of the game or Michael King. They've been very good. But also when you talk about the closer position, the Yankees and their fans have been extremely spoiled. The most obvious reason for that is they had the greatest to ever do it for two decades. But then after that, it seemed like everybody who stepped in for Mariano kept it near that level for a good five or six years. Even the one year where Mariano tore his knee up, shagging fly balls in Kansas City, his second to last season, Rafael Soriano came out of nowhere, and was one of the best closers in baseball. And then after Mariano retired, you know, David Robertson held it down. Um, you had a Roldis Chapman and Andrew Miller. You had Dylan Betances, who was a four-time All-Star. I mean, the Yankees have always had a lockdown bullpen. I wouldn't say this is a lockdown bullpen, but statistically it's been one of the best bullpens in baseball. The problem I have with that, or the, the caution I would issue there, is, is that sustainable? You know, just like I look at other teams in baseball, like the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Miami Marlins or the Cincinnati Reds. Now I'm starting to become a big believer in the Cincinnati Reds. And if you haven't seen Ellie De La Cruz play the rookie for Cincinnati, and if you haven't seen what he did yesterday, do yourself a favor and look at this guy. Um, yesterday in the same inning, he stole second, third, and home. I mean, he he literally stole third base. He stole third base without a throw. I mean, the guy is, he's got electricity pouring out of his body. Steals third base without a throw. And then, like, immediately takes a five-step lead off of third base. While the pitcher is, like, gathering himself and preparing for his next pitch. Dela Cruz actually takes off his helmet to wipe his brow. Now, was he playing possum and trying to lull the pitcher into a false sense of uh, he's not going anywhere? Perhaps. Puts the helmet back on and takes off for home. And by the time the Brewers knew what was going on, he stole home on the same plate. He stole third base and home plate before a pitch was thrown. It was it was one of the most incredibly athletic things I've ever seen on a baseball field. But that's my tangent to say why I'm starting to become a believer in Cincinnati. But I'm not a believer yet in the Miami Marlins. I think they're a nice story and they have a lot of young talent. I'm not a believer yet in the Arizona Diamondbacks. Again, nice story a lot of young talent, a lot of athleticism. And I would treat the Yankees' bullpen the same way. I think the Yankees' bullpen has a ton of potential, and they have performed very well so far. But can they continue to perform, perform at that level over the balance of this season? If they don't, the Yankees are in even bigger trouble because the bullpen is as big a reason as any outside of Garrett Cole, while the, while the Yankees are eight games above five hundred right now at 49 and 41. So they need that to continue, and they need a whole bunch of other spots to get up to the level that they're expecting. Now, yesterday was potentially a really good sign with John Carlos Stanton hitting those two home runs because Stanton is the guy who has to carry this team. And unfortunately for Stanton, he hasn't been the same player since the All-Star break last year. You know, he came out last season, the first half of the year, was the best baseball he played for the Yankees since his first season in New York in 2018. And it culminated with him hitting a huge home run in Los Angeles, his hometown, in the All-Star Game. He was named All-Star Game MVP. And then shortly thereafter, he went on the shelf, and his season wasn't the same. And this season has been just one frustration after another. Between injury, he spent his requisite month to month and a half on the injured list. But since he's come back more than a month ago, he hasn't hit. But he hit yesterday. And he's a guy who can get insanely hot. But the Yankees need that. You know, Stanton has he's, – he's only been on the Yankees with Judge. So he has never, ever been asked to carry this team. If there's ever a time to ask a guy who's making $32 million a year, is a former MVP, has been a star his entire life – If there's ever a time to ask a guy to carry a team, it is right now. Was yesterday the start of that? We'll see. He's a guy who for two weeks can look lost at the plate and then all of a sudden you can't get him out and he's firing line drives with 110, 115 mile an hour exit velocity all over the field for like two and a half weeks. Is this the start of that? At some point. Somebody on this Yankees team with a track record, whether it's Stanton or Rizzo, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving Donaldson out of it. I know Donaldson has a track record, but unfortunately, I just think he's a lost cause right now. You know, Stanton and Rizzo are the biggest two. And Glaber Torres, I think, skates by a little bit because he's always quote-unquote good enough because he's never as bad as Stanton's been or as bad as Rizzo's been or as bad as Donaldson's been. But they could use more from Glaber Torres as well. And those are the three guys in DJ LeMayhu. Those are the four guys you've got to point to. In the absence of Aaron Judge, if the Yankees are going to make this a season, that has to be the group of players. Because they, there's no Francisco Alvarez coming up from the bullpen. The bullpen, the minors. There's no Francisco Alvarez coming up from the minors to do for the Yankees what he's doing for the Mets. The Yankees don't have that in their farm system. Is it Esteban Florial? I don't know. They don't seem to want to give him a shot right now, which goes back to I think they really need to do some soul searching over the All-Star break. I'll have some thoughts on that and more of your calls. 1-800-919-3776. And of course, we'll touch on the Mets, too, because the Mets are equally as big a story. And today's just as big a game for them, even though they're out on the West Coast and they played late last night. Today's a big game for the Mets, not only because they need wins in the worst way, but because of who they're playing. Thanks for spending Sunday morning with me. Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: So a couple of closing thoughts this hour on the New York Yankees and the Mets, for that matter, as they uh, get set to wrap up the first half of their respective seasons this afternoon. Yankees at home against the Cubs, a record of 49-41. and 41. For both the Yankees and the Mets, it's all about The wild card race. I guess the Yankees, if they get insanely hot, can have some visions of the American League East Division Championship. That's because Tampa Bay has lost seven games in a row. The Rays, who were the best team in Major League Baseball for the first two and a half months of the season, they got out of the gate extremely quickly. Now, they had a very, very soft early season schedule. They started, I think, 13-0 and all of the teams that they played at the beginning of the season, just how the schedule shook out uh, were among the worst teams or expected worst teams in Major League Baseball. That's something that Tampa Bay has always done. It's something that the Yankees struggle with from time to time. It's something that the Mets have really struggled with this season, beating the teams that you should beat. But Tampa Bay has lost seven games in a row, so all of a sudden the Yankees are only seven games behind them. Of course, Baltimore is two games behind Tampa Bay in the AL East. The Mets, meanwhile, they can forget about the National League East. Atlanta is 60-28. and 28. They're 32 games above 500, And the Mets, even with their recent hot stretch of winning six of their last seven games, are 18 and a half games out of first place. So for the Yankees and the Mets, it's all about the wild card. And as this final day before the All-Star break begins, the Yankees are tied for third in the American League with the Blue Jays. They're two games ahead of the Red Sox, and the Yankees are one game behind the Houston Astros. The Mets, meanwhile... This recent six-game winning streak of theirs has gotten them right back into the mix. They're six and a half games behind the red-hot Philadelphia Phillies, who finally lost on the road yesterday. But the Mets have at least given themselves a chance. And it's a big game for both teams because we're going to say that a lot the uh, last three months of the season. Every game is a big game for both of these teams, the Yankees and the Mets, because of where they stand in their respective standings.